Aloha everyone, my name is Christina Laney Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast where we d- discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bento Homes Hawaii here in Hawaii, and we will be covering affordable housing and development in Honolulu. I want to introduce you to our guest today. Thank you. It is, this is Philip Hache, and he is the principal and CEO of the Redmont Group. Thank you for coming and joining us today. No, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Um, What we're going to be doing is talking a little bit more about the um, housing shortage. And I just wanted to let you know, Phil is one of my good friends. Uh, We met about the time he moved here. And I guess we just hit it off in the same industry. And um, he came here to start a local business here. And why don't you just tell me a little bit more about what it is you do, where you came from? Yeah, so in some ways, it seems like coming to Hawaii was a little bit of an accident, but I ended up getting my master's degree in real estate development at Auburn University. And uh, actually, there's two other gentlemen in my class. I was the youngest, and they were the oldest. And I kept pestering them about how I wanted to start this business called Redmond, because I grew up on Red Mountain. And uh, Red was, Mountain where? In Birmingham, oh. Alabama, right? So what I wanted to do is I had already been kind of working in, had my connections, was like ready to go. And I was kind of in this group project with these two guys. And one of the guys was like, oh, that'd be great. But instead of doing it in Birmingham, why don't I help you get started in Hawaii? And I said, no way. Why would I do that? I've got all my <laughs> connections in Alabama. That just seems dumb. So I, I made the unfortunate mistake of telling my wife that. And she goes, wait a minute. We don't have to be in Alabama. And I go, yeah, but babe, you don't understand. Like, I don't. <laughs> I've got all my connections here. I don't know anybody in Hawaii. Why would I go 5,000 miles away? My wife says, I don't think you understand. I don't want to be in Alabama. So next thing you know, here we are in Hawaii. And uh, what was kind of interesting fact is uh, I'd only spent 48 hours here before moving here. And, and when my, was this that this you was in our, This was in January 2012. 2012. Uh, and then my wife, the first day she got here was the day she moved here. So I don't know if that speaks to Hawaii or just how bad we want to get out of Alabama, but that's how we made it to Hawaii awesome. about five, six years ago now. Okay, and tell us a little bit more about Redmond Group. So Redmond Group was kind of started and kind of born out of this master's program again, where we wanted to build kind of a vertically integrated real estate company where we could actually work with uh, owners, real estate owners, all the way through the process, from the valuation on the front side through design, all the way into construction, all the way into property management. Because as a developer, that's kind of what you do. You kind of work with uh, all these different agencies all the way around through the process. And here in Hawaii, we have a very much of an owner-user market. So we actually work with those owner-users as kind of their in-house developer to kind of help take them through all the way through the process. And what's unique about us is we're actually the ones doing the process. So I have a full-service valuation company, full-service architecture firm, a full-service GC, general contracting firm, as well as property management firm. So we manage about a million square feet here on the island. Uh, we probably built over 500,000 square feet here in Hawaii. Uh, probably designed over, I don't know, 50, 60 million dollars worth of real estate. Here in all Hawaii. in this short period of yeah, time. Yeah, all in the last five, five and a half years. So it's been kind of a uh, rapid growth. Um, when I started, it was just me working out of the IT closet of one of our clients. And today we're got a little over 30 full time employees and we're trying to hire another six more. So if you're out there, let me know. I'm <laughs> awesome. Looking to hire more. 
good for our economy as well. And um, just a little, it's almost similar to Bento Homes, but they're on a different scale. They're working with ADUs. So it's really neat because it's a similar process to streamline things. Right. Um, they're doing start to finish as well for their little ADUs. So it's a neat thing where they help with the design process, the yeah. permitting and all of that sort all the no. way what to What Bento the Homes end. is doing is great and we need more of that here in Hawaii. Yes, so um, talking about affordable housing and the housing shortage, which is where Bento Homes definitely focuses on for Hawaii. Um, we wanted to dive a little deeper <clears throat> on that end. And um, affordable housing and the development in Hawaii has been a hot topic for the past few years. It's been an issue coming, yeah. um, now coming due, overdue, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think the biggest hurdle has been the state and the city and developers need to be on the same page. And everybody has an idea of how to get there, but the only way to get to the end goal is to get everybody together working together. So um, a little bit more about, I guess, what you do and well, how you integrate me, that situation. Well, let me kind of take a step back and kind of talk about what I see as a problem, right? Because I think it's multifaceted. And what I mean by that is, um, there's really a lot of key issues that are affecting our, our uh, housing shortage. So right now we have about a 65,000 housing shortage over the next 10 years. So that's about 65 homes a year that we need to be building uh, in order to supply the demand. But right now we're only building about 1,000 units a year. And so that leaves us with a huge gap. We actually have more kids graduating high school than we have homes coming on the market. So you can see we're actually kind of going in an inverse situation. And that's taking into account everything in Kaka'ako that's, everything being built, that's being built, which right. isn't necessarily helping the local market. Well, I think there's a lot of yeah. different ideas there. Yeah. But there's a lot of other issues that are facing us as well, not just the government constraints, but you also have to look at what's going on right now with Airbnb and VRBO. So we're actually having supply taken off the market on a daily basis from what's happening is a lot of um, owners are deciding not to run into the local population, but actually rent it to these vacationers that are coming because in. Because they're going to pay more. Because they're paying more. So what they're doing is they're actually arbitraging the market. Or some people are actually going out there and finding out-of-town owners, renting from them, and then re-renting to these VRBOs. So we're actually losing a lot of houses off the supply every day just because of these VRBOs. So that's a huge issue we need to look at and try to combine. Uh, at the same time, what's happening is with the military here, um, and they kind of have an inflated monthly amount that they're able to get for their housing stipend. It actually kind of hurts local population as far as, because it's kind of overinflating the rental market on the prices. Understandable. Right, so uh, between the hard uh, just kind of regulation it takes to build a unit, to also losing supply every day, to also kind of having the military up there as kind of raising the rates, it's kind of a multifaceted problem that we have to solve here in Hawaii in order to kind of get more housing uh, which I think, I believe we need housing across all spectrums uh, here in Hawaii. In what spectrums are you referring to? I, literally all spectrums, from the high-end luxury to the low-end affordable housing. I believe in the, the nature that just housing first. Mm -hmm. So the more housing we can bring out on the market, the more that actually lowers supply. I mean, that'll actually increase supply and then and uh, basically be able to help decrease uh, the overall cost. Uh, because the demand for those homes won't be as high if we have more supply. Yeah. And we are on an island, or islands, I would say, so being a little creative as to how we do this. <laughs> right, so it's, it's a challenge, right? So we're kind of uh, uh, sitting in a situation right now where there's a big kind of keep the country country, which I fully support. I, even as a developer, I hate taking fertile ground 
and building any new buildings. I just don't think that's the best thing to do for our, our island, right? That's where agriculture comes from. That's where everything else comes from, right? Uh, at the same time, when you look at in, in the inner city in Kaka'ako, a lot of people are afraid of losing their views, right? So we kind of have this uh, split in kind of what people are wanting, uh, not to take over the greenfield, but then at the same time, don't lose the city views for more high-rises in town. So where do you really kind of find that happy medium? And the challenge is one of those has got to give. Yeah. My personal opinion is uh, I would rather keep the greenfield green. And because also, if you look at it from the state's perspective, the cost per pupil that lives further out is actually much greater than those that live further in. You got to think about it, right? Uh, well, it's also their carbon footprint with the driving. Everything, everything. right? So you got to think about it. The longer you have to do public roads, the more you have to do public sewers, the more you have to do public water. The larger square footage. Right. The so then you also got to look at the fact that we got to put police stations farther out there. You got to put fire stations out there. You got to build more public schools. So that's really a challenge. The farther, the more that we grow into the suburban area, the actually more it's going to cost the, the state. So that's why I believe it, uh, more of an urban footprint is more where we need to kind of be growing as a state. Okay. Well, he does live in Kaka'ako and work in Kaka'ako yes, uh, and plays in Kaka'ako. Play. <laughs> that's right. And he also has um, a his his office is located at uh, it's eight one four Ilani Y Street. So right here in Kaka'ako. Yeah. And right next to. Um, the new Kiki Olana coming up. coming up right One of the affordable the housing projects, yeah. yeah. And um, it's, it's a very interesting location that he's turned into a lot of options for, mm. I would say. I mean, he's working on something as well. Did you want to chat on no, that? No, not yet. Not yet? Okay, it's still but under come wraps. come soon in December. It'll be coming, <laughs> coming out. Coming soon in December, he's got something under his sleeve. I, like I told you, we like to play in Kaka'ako, so I'm creating a place <laughs> for us to play. Yes, so the work, live, and play part of it, and yes. that's awesome. Um, the other part that he's involved with with Kaka'ako is HCDA. So that's the, you want to tell them a little bit more? What does HCDA stand for? So Hawaii Community Development Authority. So uh, it really is kind of the governing body. So what's kind of interesting, back in the 70s, I believe, I hope I got this correct, is there was actually kind of a split between the state and the city and county. So it's actually the HCDA... Um, kind of controls the land here in Kaka'ako separate from the city and county. So it's actually kind of different. And so we're, in a weird way, it's almost like being the city, uh, um, uh, kind of writing the laws and the legislation there for, for Kaka'ako, as well as Kalailoa and uh, he, um, one of the other, he, he, yeah, sorry, I always say that wrong. So they Downfall do, it's across, I mean, on the islands, it's not just yeah. in Kaka'ako. For myself, I actually just represent all the local business owners in Kaka'ako. And uh, he is on the board with HCDA. Yeah, so that was a long process getting going through the governor and the city council and everyone else. But and I applaud you for joining the board. It's not an easy task um, to, for one, get on, but to serve. Um, it is definitely needed to have a, I would say, more of a developer mindset on that board to help with some of these governances that we need to... Well, I think for me, it was it was important to kind of give back, right? Like I said, I, I moved here six years ago, and obviously it's given me so much, this place, right? And one of the things that I did in my master's program, kind of going back to that, was I traveled around the world uh, studying these kind of districts, like Kaka'ako. So I met with uh, the city council members there, I met with the mayors, I met with the, the, uh, the local developers, I met with constituents, and kind of realize that everybody has a say in how these communities are being put together. And so what was great is when I saw this opening here, 
it was kind of my chance to take that knowledge that I gained and kind of help put it into uh, the area that I live and love so much, which is Kakaako, right? Yeah. Well, I do have to give Phil a lot of credit. Um, being a quote-unquote foreigner, yes, not born yes, and raised yes, in Hawaii, um, he is definitely, he does come from a small town, so they have similar like-minded um you know, just how you are and the, the idea of aloha is where he's at and where his heart's at. So um, he's definitely integrated himself well into the community, the business community as well. So um, I definitely applaud you for that. Oh, thank and, you. Know, he's, he's, he's one of the good guys, I promise. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in regards to um, the HCDA, maybe if you can talk a little bit more about... Um, what I like to discuss too, which has been a big thing because there's all these projects coming up. Um, a lot of these buildings that are coming up, uh, they are developers that are allowed to build in Kaka'ako, but they do have restrictions. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit. So with affordable housing, for those of you who don't know, capital A, capital H as in affordable housing governed by the state and what it's classified as, yeah. it would be a person who lives here in Hawaii that has between, I would say, 80 to 140% AMI. And what that means is the area median income. So not to dive a little deeper, we could definitely take this podcast into a whole nother realm if we were wanting to, or perhaps we'll do another one later. But this ranges for someone who makes a single person making between 65,000 to about 94,000 um, for a single person here in Hawaii. And I, I know that doesn't sound like someone who is, um, it's not a low income housing bracket, this is an affordable housing bracket. So um, there are some restrictions. So when a developer is developing a big tower, um, can you give them a little bit more of what HCDA requires of them to do? So in every one of the projects, 20% of the overall project has to be affordable housing. So if they're gonna build 100 units, 20 of those units have to be affordable. Uh, and is that kind of where you're going? Yeah. yeah. So that's a big thing is, is at least 20% of their units has to be affordable. Yeah. So for these affordable housings, I was on a project as well, the Block 803, um, a little while ago. And um, we worked with HCDA as well. Yeah. And then we also worked with HHFDC, which is another state so, yeah. agency that does something very similar. Um, but it's been around for a long time and it does cover the whole state. Now, HCD is just for Kaka'ako. So when we worked with them, um, what you do have to do is it is a process. You have right. applications that you have to fill out and everything has to be notarized and um, gone through the system and HCDA approves. Okay, so with the HCDA, we actually kind of write the laws and govern the regulations, right? Yes. For what's going on here, just like the city council would for the uh, city um, and county of Honolulu, right? So what we also have, we'll have are some kind of our own land parcels. So what you've seen with some of like the projects that have gone on here, we've actually sent out RFPs to local developers to build affordable housing. And what we'll do is we'll actually kind of help donate the land to the developers to be able to allow them to do more affordable housing. And what we're wanting their, them to do there is kind of bring that, uh, provide either, right now what we're really working on is rentals, to be able to provide rentals for that kind of 80 to 100 percent area median income and below yeah uh, so what we try to do as the uh, uh hcda is help subsidize that developer to be able to, to uh, be able to pencil a project to prov provide more units for affordable rentals here in hawaii yeah so and that's just one yeah. of the things we're doing a right? lot of 
what you've seen and what's always in the papers is usually a purchase. So, um, right. you know, like for example, Ali is a very good example because that just closed. They sold out their 150 units right away. They had about 600 applicants and only 150 of them were lucky enough to get a lottery number to secure yeah. these units. So those sold wow. really quick and they ranged, you know, around three to 400 something thousand. Now this, of course, is a very small unit that you're purchasing at that price point. So moving forward, um, after you real, if you're not somebody that wants something small in that capacity or even that price range, right. um, monthly payments for something like this, then the next option would be rental. Right. So, I mean, he's going to dive in a little bit more on yeah, so rentals. I mean, but even if you look at the rentals, Halequila place that was done by Sanford Car was a rental project. Mm -hmm. That was a joint partnership between the HCDA and Sanford Car. So yeah. I think that's a great example of some of the things we can do, right? Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things we're looking at now is um, HCDA only has so much land left. So there's not a lot How of, much land do we have, do you know? Uh, not that many parcels that are large enough at this point to do more uh, bigger towers. So we're actually looking at how do we get more land and put those things together. But we're also looking at other issues, right? Um, we're also looking at... Uh, we have a lot of kind of, if you look at the Sheridan track, which one of the areas we look at, there's a lot of like three-story walk-ups, right? So one of the things that we're seeing there is that um, a lot of the owners that have those units, some of the people that are renting those are uh, not necessarily upkeeping the units very well. And so when they leave, they're, a lot of these units are becoming unrentable at that point. And it's a challenge for these owners to be able to get financing, to be able to pay, to bring those units back up into the uh, or standards. then the whole building itself, like the plumbing needs to be all done those things, and all right? Of these things. So one of the things I'm working on right now is writing a law that would allow for kind of a uh, a rehab uh, micro loan. So what I'm looking at doing is trying to allow these owners to get these kind of 12 month, uh, very low interest micro loans, where they can go in there and actually fix up their units and be able to get those back online. Because the estimate that I heard was we have about 14,000 of these units. 14,000. Well, 14,000 units uh, and these kind of three-story walk-ups in bet anywhere between 10 and 40 units just within central um, Honolulu, Honolulu right and of those roughly about 10 percent of those are just vacant because they're unleasable right and they're unlivable so you got to figure that's about 140 un or about 1400 units and that's a lot of units right and what we're looking at is about on average about 7500 to 10,000 per unit to get them back online so what we're looking at doing is actually trying to help create a microloan program to help fix these units up, to help get them online, because these are inherently affordable uh, to get more people into these units. And again, that's a way that we can get these units back online much faster versus when we build a high-rise, you're talking five, six years to get right. these online versus microloan program, we can get them online in six months. So it's kind of just some of the things we're doing. Okay, so you would be working directly with the owners. Correct. And then um, that or would be... Or service providers. I'm trying to figure out if there's a way we can run them with service providers. Um, kind of, I'm kind of looking at the model where we did for the uh, energy credits. Um, for the uh, kind of when they did the lighting. For any buildings under 5,000 Oh, like the feet, retrofitting your retrofitting whole place lighting. with lighting. So I'm kind of looking at that kind of model. For this kind of so it'll kind of jumpstart people Correct. doing something with their units yeah. and spiffing them up. Okay, and also, what exactly are you doing on your end for your company in the next couple years? Okay, so one of the things for me personally, right, uh, we kind of have this uh, company going, Redmont, where we 
uh, work with a lot of other owners going all the way through the process. And we just have our own little projects on the side, but kind of having gone through this with ACDA, it's definitely, I have a heart for this uh, affordable housing. And I see the challenges that a lot of these developers have and the fact that uh, they have to get their acquisition fees, right? They have to get their asset management fees. In addition, they have to go hire an outside uh, architect who has their own overhead and their own construction group, which has their own overhead and their property management group, which has their own overhead. So if you see these fees and these overheads start adding up, which puts a lot of undue burden on these affordable housing Let alone projects. how expensive it is that land is here in Hawaii. Correct, <laughs> right? So I really believe that the way Redmond is set up is that we can actually, because we only have one overhead for all these different services, uh, as well as being the developer, uh, same overhead, I can do it much more economically than a lot of the other developers in town. Um, so we're actually putting together a program right now to take over, uh, to basically acquire uh, some land parcels in central Kakaako and do our own affordable housing projects. Um, for the state? For this. Or just no, for just the public? No, just for us. So for the a lot of the developers, what they're having to do is they're having to use what you were talking about, the HHF, uh, FTC, which is like low-income housing tax credits. Right, which they get these tax credits, they sell them off, and that becomes part of their equity, uh, kind of in these uh, our light tax and all these other programs. To offset their costs, right? Yeah. Offset their costs. I'm actually trying to figure out a way to do it to where we're not we don't take those funds away, so where we can do it on our own and just a, a very uh, private side. But that way, because even on the light tech, that's not unlimited funds. They there's only a cap on how much they can uh, lend out every year. So I don't want to take that away from other developers doing great projects. So we can, I think with the way we can do it, we can do it in a much better um, fashion. I don't know if that answers your question, but we're internally, we're actually putting together a program to do these affordable housing projects. And they'll be on more of a smaller scale. We're looking at about five to 10,000 square foot lots. So right now, a lot of the developers are taking these 20,000 square foot lots and they're building these large towers. Mm -hmm. I believe that we should be taking these five to 10,000 square foot lots, build, building uh, medium density, say four to six stories, and doing a bunch of them all the way across. So that there way is, we're not, is there not again, a bill coming out on that? So there's a bill of affordable, so there's Bill 5859 that came out through the city council um, last year, which were really for the for sale units. So 58, which kind of told you all the things you can do, and Bill 59 were all the great things you get if you do affordable housing, uh, like property tax incentives, all these other things, right? Uh, coming up, my understanding, and I'm kind of working with some of the guys on the city council now, I think there's uh, someone that I know too. He's yeah. an architect working I don't know. on But it. so there's a bill coming out probably next uh, February, March, hopefully to start giving incentives to developers for doing affordable housing. Something rentals. about like a five, five Yeah, story. so there's a lot of different things. I don't want to say exactly what they are, um, but they're trying, because some of that, I don't know how much can get passed because of building code. Yeah. So being an architect, I don't really want to get involved with that. Um, but what we're looking at is I think Again, like I told you before, we're fighting green space and we're fighting views, yeah. right? So what I'm thinking of the happy medium is kind of building these mid-rise units. And they these don't have of, views anyways, so... And these four to six... <laughs> well, I think they can have yeah. great views, but it's about creating great neighborhoods and great yeah. communities where people can still walk together, walk to their local grocery store, they can walk to work, they can walk to their local neighborhood bar, neighborhood restaurant, be able to go to the local playgrounds, play with their kids. Yeah. I think you can do that with these kind of mid-rise units and these four to six story buildings um, and actually start kind of creating more communities around that. Because if you look at just in the central Kakaako and the Sheridan Tract, if we could look at, um, right now you have, a, you have a, a height limit of 45 feet. 
But if we could go up to say 65 feet or 75 feet, not 400 feet like these towers, then what's happening is you're able to get say four, five stories, you'll probably get 10 to 20 units on that lot. So that mm -hmm. right now you're stuck with only one, right? So we can add, we could add thousands of homes just in that one district mm -hmm. by going with this mid-rise unit. And the reality is those projects take 36 months to do versus five to seven years to build a, a large tower. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, and that's just in the track, which if you can tell people. What? So Sheridan track is between Pequot and Pensacola, between Baratania and Ala Moana. Okay. So kind of right I mean, Walmart, and Walmart area so. off of Kamloku behind it. Uh, not quite that far out. Okay. It's, uh, you know, where uh, Moana Pacific is? Yeah, Moana Pacific. Uh, go from Moana Pacific all the way back to Baratania Street. Okay, so the two yeah. oval towers right there. But it's there, it's Moilele, it's Mikiki, it's going out into Kalihi. There's a, great spot. There's a lot yeah. of great parcels where we can help redevelop that would be better for the overall community, right? Yeah, and then Smith make them a little bit higher, right? Add more... I think it'll, it'll be a good one yeah. if you can get that. Thanks, Phil. Let's, let's see how that goes. <laughs> um, well, at least it'll be my money at rest, right? So, <laughs> well, and I appreciate that. Um, I think that makes you, you know, stand out a little bit more. I think with we're younger generation, we're looking for the future of Hawaii. Um, it's not an outside developer coming in, trying to make some money and then leave. No, um, no, no. You are here um, and you're local and you... You My just, wife still says, please don't take me back to Alabama. So yeah. trust me, just, I'm not going they anywhere. Had, they just had a baby, by yes, the way. Thank you. And um, congratulations Brooklyn. on Brooklyn with two N's. <laughs> yes. Um, so they... They are definitely here for good, and um, I hope so because they're some of my really good friends. Yeah. And um, and also to that extent, um, you do you are a part also of the Affordable Housing Rental Task Force. Yeah, so that was kind of going back, and on, that's on the HCDA. Oh, okay. So we have what's called permitted interaction groups because of the sunshine laws here in Hawaii. So on certain different tasks that we're really working on. Um, We'll, we'll, we try to get in these small groups and we will inter interview a lot of the other developers in town, a lot of the other lenders, a lot of the other groups um, that are wanting to kind of build these affordable housing rentals and kind of learning what are the issues they're facing, right? So a lot of my knowledge that I've gained is through those kind of groups and hearing from the constituents, hearing from those that are having the challenges, hearing from the lenders and kind of trying to take everybody's viewpoints and kind of meld it all together into what I know and to help kind of grow the overall system. So I'm on that one and then I'm also, I'm working to try to create one uh, for parking and Kakako because right now right. parking is such a big issue. So Especially with a lot of these walk-ups, they don't have enough correct. parking So stalls. what I'm looking at is the fact that uh, in order for us to get more affordable housing, we need to solve the parking issue. Yes. Now we all know that parking and driving is going to hopefully over time become uh, kind of an olden thing, right? Where people don't need cars. Um, however, that's not the reality today. We're probably still 10, 15 years away from that. So how do we still build the community for the future without kind of losing what we need for today? And so that's what we're kind of looking at at the parking issues. Would that be part of HCDA or that's a completely separate That's a HCDA issue. So with the parcels that you do have left, are they sizable for that? So or? it's not just about the parcels we have left, but again, remember we controlled 
the, the law. So we actually can do all the infrastructure development. So what about all of those? So I know where your office is located, but a lot of those, there's a, I guess there's, I don't know if it's still in. So right in, now there's a private street owner that owns, that claims they own all those streets. Right. So, so how does that work and what's going on with that? I don't even know, actually. I yeah. Know. So there's a lot of things going on with that at this point. Uh, there's a small parcel, I think, that's currently in court right now between the city and county and the developer. So I think a lot of people are waiting to see what happens there. So for, for those of you who don't know, there are a lot of cross streets in, in Kaka'ako uh, that are actually more considered like private roads. Yeah, but I, th I think in addition to just right? having private streets, there's a lot of other issues that we have in Kaka'ako, right? Uh, Central Kaka'ako, because if you come down there after a range, you see a lot of flooding that happens, mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of issues that needs to be happened from an infrastructure development standpoint in Kaka'ako to help fulfill this growth for these affordable housing and for sale units, such as stormwater runoff, right? Complete streets, kind of making sure we have enough park space for everybody for their, like I said earlier, to take the kids out to do things. Making sure that we have underground utilities because we still have above ground utilities. Or even like sidewalks. Making sure we have sidewalks yeah. everywhere. That's kind of part of that complete streets. Mm -hmm. But make sure all the bicycle lanes are in there, uh, all the sewer lines are going, because right now our sewer lines aren't large enough to handle the capacity that we have, right? So what are they doing about that? So we're working with the individual developers on everyone that's coming up to help increase that capacity line, right? So that's really kind of where we're at at this current moment, right? Oh, okay. And um, so with, with these private streets, it makes it a little more challenging to accomplish that? Okay, so... There's a lot of issues with the private streets. So I believe there's about seven streets within Kaka'ako that are currently privately owned, or at least being uh, privately owned. Trust me, I, I know the situation all too well. I rent about 20 of the stalls a month for my employees, right? <laughs> so I, I get it, right? But I think one of the things we have to look at is uh, we need more public, private, uh, public parking garages, right? Yeah. Um, we need to be, able to, uh, to be able to help give people the option to park in a garage. Because right now, if you look at it, for even for guys like myself who have all these employees and nowhere to park. I mean, I have a parking lot, but in my parking lot, I can only fit five parking stalls. So what do, what about, what do I do for all the employees that work for me, right? Um, so that's one of the challenges I'm trying to face because it's not just me that's having this issue. Like I said, I represent all the business owners in Kaka'ako and we're all facing the same problem. So I believe that we should be working to build more public parking garage facilities that would allow for more monthly parking. Just look at like what we have downtown. Look what we have in Chinatown. Mm -hmm. We have a ton of parking garage facilities. So I think and that's- And some of them are city, right? And they some are. of them Most are- Most of them are city in Chinatown, right? Yeah. So, and we actually- I know because I have an electric car, so I get to take advantage of yeah, this. Yeah, it must be nice. <laughs> well, I walk to work every day, so my carpet he footprint does. His is- His is even better than mine. <laughs> I, walk, I walk every day, so my carpet footprint is very low. He literally low. does. I, I drove right past him as he was leaving his Yes, <laughs> yes. That's how you talked me into That's this. That's how I talked to you into yes. doing this podcast. I was like, hey, Phil, roll down the window. Can you do this podcast? I was literally stuck in the middle of a crosswalk, so I couldn't say no. So that's why I'm, I'm here today. I wasn't going to run you down. Yeah. That's debatable. Uh, no, I, I just look at it and, and say, uh, even for the affordable housing, we need to really look at what our parking ratios are to the number of bedrooms that we have and if we can shrink that. And the problem is right now is that everybody, you see it when you go down there, everybody's having to park along the street. So is there ways that we can help take those off the street to allow us to have more complete streets 
And I don't have the answers today, but that's one of the things that we're getting into sort of looking at. Yeah, and everybody's working together to come up with a solution. Totally, right. right. So. But it's definitely something we have to look at in order to help us with the business owners that are in town, as well as allow us to get to the more of a complete street model, as well as allow us to help us with the affordable housing. So it really is a, yeah. a, a complex issue. So I guess the gist of everything is that this housing shortage isn't just an easy fix, as we all know, no. um, but it does take a whole bunch of um, people together thinking on the same wavelength right. with the same goals in mind, you know, to really push things forward. Yeah. And, um, and and I believe truly on the affordable housing, it is housing first, because what happens is we manage I don't know, a couple hundred uh, units, right? And a lot of them are on the low income spectrum. We have a lot of high income earners living in these low income housing units um, just because there's nowhere else for them to live. So even if I believe that even if we can build higher end units, it'll elevate those that are high income earners living in these low income housing out of that into uh, something that they uh, maybe a little nicer that they can afford. And it will open up these low income housing units mm -hmm. uh, for others to be able to move into. Yeah. Um, so it really, I know everybody wants to just build only affordable housing, but it really is a complex issue where we need more housing across all spectrums, not just specifically uh, the affordable. Again, we're looking at going after the affordable, but I'm just saying, I think as, a, as it relates to everyone, we should all realize that we need it across all spectrums. Mm -hmm. From the really high end to the really low end, we need more housing, yeah. period. period. We're, we're about 5,500 homes a year short. That's a lot That's a of lot. homes, right? You figure we, in order for us to even hit our demand, we'd have to five times our current output. Yeah, I and mean, everybody already thinks we're already. How already many there. homes is Coa Ridge supposed to be putting out? About thirty-five hundred. Yeah, I, I believe something like that, and that's. And that's like over a long period of time, which they haven't even started. Correct. They've yeah. been um, challenged with took, a lot of things. I know. And that project took ten years to even get on the plans, right? I think we're on like the twentieth year of okay, when we started. Okay, twentieth year. So. <laughs> So um, half my life, they've been working. Um, I'm, I'm eager to see them uh, move forward with that one. And it's a great location. Yeah. And they will have 30% affordable housing yes. for their project. Yes. But we're talking 3,500 homes. If we're 5,500 short every year, and right. that's over a long period of time, that is minuscule and again, to drop a penny Again, I think the challenge we're facing, if you think about it, just kind of very basic, and, and a lot of people want to say that's because of people moving in. And unfortunately, I apologize. I'm one of those people that moved in. But I hope I'm helping to solve the problem. Is we actually have more people graduating high school every year, right? Than we have homes becoming available. Yeah. So when we talk about trying to bring our kids home uh, from the mainland, there's nowhere for them to move into. Well, they there's could not enough housing. put a Bento Homes unit on their so, property, which is definitely another option for the housing shortage. Because <laughs> the ADUs that were that got permitted a few years back that hasn't quite taken off yet um, is a huge help to helping solve this problem. That's why what Bento Homes here is doing is really amazing because, let's face it, most kids don't want to move back into their parents' house, right? Yeah. But something like this would be fantastic. I actually think I would have if loved the this, parents are right? paying for it, they would want to move in. Actually, a lot of people are considering building one of these and then it's they huge. move into it and then maybe they rent out their home yeah. <laughs> because this is all brand new and they don't need yeah. the extra space. So. But that's what we're having a lot here in Hawaii is this multi-generational living, right? right? And that's because of this housing shortage, right? Mm -hmm. And again, if we want to really kind of solve this brain drain on 
these smart kids that are coming out of college that we can't bring home, we've got to fix this housing issue. Because if we can't fix this housing issue, how can they afford to come back home? Exactly. They can't, right? And we don't have enough of you coming in either yeah. that are from other states. You know, a lot of people love to visit Hawaii, but not necessarily stay. It's more right. of a destination location. Um, but for us in Hawaii, it is our home. Well, and we we're getting a lot of retirees grow. that are coming here, right? Not a lot of those that are coming to help put back into the system. No, no offense, but yeah, um, yeah, it is a place they probably aspire to be and they've made their goals to come right. here. But it would be nice to get to a place where Hawaii can, you know, maximize itself, be a little more self-sustaining, yeah. be growth. Well, that was a lot we just covered. Um, and that's all we have for you today. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast at www.smartlivinghi.com and also follow me on Instagram. You can reach me at, at smart underscore living underscore Hawaii and like us on Facebook. Mahalo and until next time, live smart.